Good morning and happy Easter, everyone. Over the past few weeks, we have been looking at Jesus' appearance to people after his resurrection. A few weeks ago, we were reminded that Easter gives us all the ability to trust Jesus no matter what. Jesus appeared before his disciples for breakfast on the beach. They had fished all night long and hadn't caught anything. He told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and they'd catch a lot of fish. They trusted him enough to do so. And when they cast their nets to the other side, they had such a miraculous catch of fish, it was breaking their nets. Then last week, we saw that Easter is a reminder that we can still have hope no matter where we are. Mary Magdalene went to the cemetery looking for a dead body. But what she found was her living Savior, Jesus Christ. Mary Magdalene found hope in, of all places, a graveyard. Today, we're going to be looking at how Easter is a reminder that we can still believe no matter how, no matter how discouraged, no matter how defeated, no matter how skeptical you may be, you can still believe. Please go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to John, the 20th chapter. Thomas found belief behind locked doors. One of the most frustrating and inconvenient things in life is to get locked out, isn't it? Maybe you've forgotten a password to your computer program or, or a combination to a locker and you couldn't get in. Or maybe you've lost a key and you didn't have what you needed to get into your car or your home. As a little boy, I had to ride a school bus for 40 minutes to our rural home. And I had to walk a quarter of a mile up a gravel road to the, to the driveway that led to our front door. And let me tell you, by the time I got to that door, I was ready to go in. But every once in a while, I'd reach in my pocket and realize I had forgotten my key. And although we had hidden a key outside somewhere, that key was often inside, keeping my other key company. Well, I hate it when that happened. And as you can imagine, drinking a soft drink before I left school, getting on a school bus for 40 minutes, walking a quarter mile up a driveway, I needed to get in the house really bad. It always seems like we get locked out at the most inopportune times. The door to the place where the disciples were staying was locked up tight. They were locked in, Matthew tells us, because of fear of the Jews. But it was not the only door locked up tight. Their minds and their hearts' doors were locked up so tight that no ordinary locksmith could have cracked them open. But with a resurrected Jesus, there's no door that can keep him out. There are two appearances of Jesus behind this locked door in John chapter 20. The first one is on Easter evening in front of 10 of Jesus' disciples and some others. The second appearance happens the next Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. As we look at verses 24 through 29 together, I want us to see three steps in believing the resurrection. The first step in believing the resurrection is to accept the good news. Verses 24 through 25, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas absolutely refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, despite the combined testimony of the other disciples. Think how excited these disciples must have been when they approached Thomas. 
Uh, you and I, we've had 2,000 years to celebrate the resurrection. Most, if not everyone listening to this video this morning, knows about the Easter story. You've heard about Jesus' death on the cross. You've heard how his body was buried in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And you've heard how he rose from the dead three days later. And for 50 days, he went around to groups small and large, proving that he had risen from the dead. But when Jesus appeared to the disciples the first time, it was the same day that he rose from the grave. This story of the resurrection to them was brand new. And the news they brought to Thomas was what you and I would call breaking news. The news media would say, this is just in, or we interrupt regular programming to bring you a special news bulletin. Or the newsies of old might have the newspapers up in the air going, extra, extra, read all about it. This was fresh news. Jesus had been out of the grave for less than 24 hours when he appeared to the disciples in the upper room behind locked doors. They saw the nail holes in his hands. They saw the spear wound in his side. And in their excitement, they hurried off to tell Thomas what they had just experienced. Reading about all that Thomas missed out on in that first gathering in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23, I think is a good reminder of all of us of why it is so important that we are in worship together. We sometimes think of being in worship uh, as something that, for which we ought to be able to get something out of, when maybe we ought to be thinking of it as something we can put something into. It's been very encouraging to see how many people are tuning in to all kinds of churches, worship experiences during this time of quarantine. Seems like most people I talk with are, are taking in several worship experiences a week from a multiplicity of churches, and that's awesome. I've had some great reunion experiences with people who I haven't talked to in years, some from high school, some from college days, some from previous ministries that I've been a part of. And it's been so exciting to get to celebrate with them and, and to reconnect. Maybe you've taken the time to reach out to someone and let them know that you experienced their service with them. There's a great fellowship taking place across our nation in this very unique time, and it's been so good. Under normal conditions, when we're able to assemble uh, in person, you never know when a particular Sunday just might be a Sunday when someone's going to be baptized, and you don't want to miss that. It might be the Sunday when someone else's grandchild is going to read scripture, and you, you should be there to support and encourage that, that child. Or maybe someone's going to sing a special song, and, and not only will it be a blessing to you, but you could be an encouragement to them. And Thomas was so wrapped up, perhaps in his grief, in his need to be alone, that he wasn't with all the other disciples who were there behind locked doors that day that had this incredible experience of seeing Jesus. And if he had been there, he could have avoided all the unnecessary doubt uh, he would have been part of the team that went out to tell other people the good news instead of having to be told himself. In John chapter 20, verse 21, there's a, a reminder of the commission of Jesus for us all. He told the disciples who had just seen the proof of the resurrection, he said to them, peace be with you as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. The disciples said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. Think about it. These were Thomas's closest friends. He had followed Jesus with them for three years. He had seen most likely 
and discussed with them a lot of miracles, including the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead right before the triumphal entry and Palm Sunday. These were his guys. These were his closest friends. He had been taught and trained by Jesus right alongside them. And these are the guys that are talking to him and telling him, we have seen the Lord. They're not strangers. These are not incredulous witnesses. These are his guys, his pals. They were telling Thomas that they had seen Jesus with their very own eyes and that they had examined the evidence, but he adamantly refused to believe. The verb in verse 25, elegon, means that the disciples kept telling Thomas about seeing Jesus. They were persistent. They were saying, no, seriously, no, we really have. We have seen him. Oh, man, you should have been there. It was awesome. But Thomas put conditions on his faith. I will never believe, he said. I'll never believe unless I see and hear and feel it myself. The King James Version of the Bible translates the word balo as thrust. But I think the, the English Standard Version, the New International Version, the New American Standard Bible, I think they have it better that he just put, that they were to put their hands on the evidence, to gently place them there. This was a thoughtful investigation. Thomas uses this word never, an extreme word. When you take a true or false quiz, I've been told that if you see the word always or never, that the statement is almost always false. Because those extreme conditions of always and never are kind of flags that something is just too extreme. Even counselors will tell couples, when you're arguing, don't use words like never or always. One spouse may say to the other, you never help with the chores or you always spend too much money. I will never believe, Thomas said. I wonder where Thomas was on that first Easter evening when the disciples were together and they had the first appearance of Jesus. We're not told uh, why he wasn't there. It's not explained to us. Maybe he preferred to be alone, to kind of think things through. My guess is that Thomas was so hurt over the crucifixion of Jesus, that he vowed he would never believe unless Jesus himself appeared and gave him proof. The disciples must have been telling Thomas all about the wounds and how they looked and how they felt to them and, and so forth. Thus, Thomas's remark that he would, have to, he would have to see them and touch them himself to believe. Do you know someone who has been so hurt or so discouraged that they will never believe in God? Maybe you know someone who had a bad church experience and they say, I'll never go back to church as long as I live. Maybe you're that person. I encourage you today to let Jesus breeze through the locked door of your mind and or the locked door of your heart. In Matthew 16, it tells us that Jesus had rebuked the disciples in the first appearance to them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Beyond the physical locked doors, they had thick, heavy barricades over their minds and hearts. They would not believe the eyewitness accounts of those who had said to them earlier in the day that they had seen Jesus alive. If you joined us last week, you remember that I said I couldn't help but imagine them rolling their eyes when Mary Magdalene came to them and said, I've seen the Lord. 
Oh, here we go. So as they head off to tell Thomas that they had seen Jesus, they couldn't be too judgmental of Thomas for his doubt. Thomas was just doing the same thing that they had done when they had hard hearts to the good news of the resurrection. Folks, we need to drive a stake in the ground right now, and we need to anchor our faith to it because the emotions of discouragement and hard times will no doubt try to rob our faith in the coming weeks and months. We know hard times are coming as we begin to recover uh, from the COVID-19 pandemic. There will be financial burdens. There will be educational setbacks. There will be job losses. Your career may have to be altered and so forth. And some of us may even know someone who has been sick with the virus or has lost a loved one to it. But know this today, this Easter Sunday morning, know this. The same Jesus who came out of the grave 2,000 years ago is still alive and he is still in heaven preparing a place for you and me. As the old hymn says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. If you believe that this Easter Sunday, then you shouldn't have any trouble still believing in May or June or July or August. The next step in believing the resurrection is to experience its peace. John chapter 20, verse 26 says, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. In the second appearance of Jesus to the disciples, eight days later, Thomas is now with them behind the locked doors. After Jesus rose from the dead, he still had his physical body. He eats with the disciples. Uh, he has wounds uh, from the cross to use as proof that, that he is the same person. But he can miraculously conceal his appearance and then suddenly reveal himself to others. And what's really cool is he can pass through locked doors. You'd be impressed today uh, if people could just beam themselves into your living room, wouldn't you? You know, kind of like on Star Trek. Imagine not having seen such special effects that we have today with television and Hollywood and movies and so forth and having someone 2,000 years ago just suddenly pass through a locked door and appear to you. Luke 24 tells us that Jesus had to calm the disciples' fear in his first appearance to them behind the locked doors because they thought he might be a ghost of Jesus. Jesus told them in Luke 24, 39, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see that I have. I wanted so badly to say to you today that Jesus can unlock the door of doubt. Uh, he can unlock the door of skepticism. He can unlock when it, whatever stands between you and your faith in him. But you know what? Jesus didn't unlock anything in this story. He didn't have to. He just simply breezed right through them he passed through the closed door and that's very cool ff bruce writes each of the resurrection appearances of jesus fulfilled a special purpose for peter and the beloved disciple john it was the proclamation of victory 
for Mary, it was the satisfaction of love. And for the rest of the disciples that we're reading about here today, it is the calming of their fear. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus had shown his disciples his hands and his side before he made the peace be unto you greeting of verse 21. In the first appearance of the disciples, he, he, he showed who he was. He proved it to them. And then he said, peace be unto you. He makes the peace be unto you greeting again here in verse 26 to Thomas. This is more than just the traditional Semitic greeting. It's more than a peace over their grief over the death of Jesus on the cross. As R.V.G. Tasker writes in his commentary on the Gospel of John, he says, Now they have as their Lord one who has allowed his hands to be pierced for them in a sacrificial death. And from those pierced from his pierced side, there had flowed the water and the blood, symbolic of redemption and sanctification. The peace of verse 21 is the peace of the pardoned sinner. The peace which Jesus alone can, can give. The peace which Jesus alone could call my peace. One final and important step in believing the resurrection is acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and as your God. John 20, verses 27 through 29. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not believe, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Will you believe Thomas's testimony? Or will you be like Thomas was when he heard the other disciples' testimony and say, I'll never believe unless I see it for myself and I touch Jesus' wounds with my own hand? Will you be like the other disciples were when they refused to believe Mary Magdalene's testimony and that of the Emmaus Road disciples? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. To accept Jesus as your Lord means that you no longer belong to yourself. Instead, you belong completely to him. Are you that sold out to Jesus? Can you say like Thomas, Jesus, you are my Lord? Can you say, I am wholeheartedly yours, Jesus? Can you say, I belong to you, Jesus? Thomas had been one of the 12. His skepticism did not disqualify him, though, from being one of Jesus' disciples. If you're a skeptical person... If you have doubts, don't miss what the second appearance of Jesus means for you. Jesus didn't want Thomas left out. If, if it's not too late for you to let Jesus breeze through the locked door of your mind, the locked door of your heart today, and give you his peace. Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas for his doubt. He rebuked him for his disbelief. Doubt and unbelief are two different things. Warren Wiersbe writes, doubt is often an intellectual problem. We want to believe, 
But the faith is overwhelmed by problems of questions. Unbelief is a moral problem. We simply will not believe. A father approached Jesus in Mark chapter 9 and asked him to cast a demon out of his son. He said to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus replied to him in Mark 9, 23, if you can, everything is possible to the one who believes. And immediately the father cried out to Jesus in verse 24. He says, oh, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Nelson's Illustrated Bible Commentary says, Jesus seeks to honor the mind and heart of every seeker or doubter. He knows that easily developed loyalties often lack staying power. By contrast, many tenacious people who probe the corners of their doubts and fears finally reach the truth. And faith in the truth is what Christ desires. He even promised that the Spirit would aid those who seek it. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, or whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. To belong to Jesus as your Lord means that you live your life for him. You live to please him in every way. The word master or boss, are pro- those words are probably more recognizable to us today as to what it means to become a follower of Jesus. I know a youth minister once, and before he would baptize a kid, he would always have them say, and I accept him now as my, the boss of my life. And every kid knows what that means. Because when we were kids, if we had a peer who was trying to tell us what to do, we'd say, hey, you're not the boss of me. And to make Jesus Christ your Lord means that you're making him the boss of your life. And that's a good thing. Two things make it easy to call Jesus our Lord. One, He rose from the dead and deserves it because of who he is. And secondly, he is a gentle and loving Lord. Remember in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29, he says, Come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The laborer here is the one who's trying to work or to earn his own salvation. And he says, if you're heavy burdened, heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Becoming a part of Jesus's kingdom, to become a follower of Jesus, those who are born again into him, to have a hope of eternal life. They get to be a follower of him in this this kingdom and they get to have the hope of eternal life. I want to close with John 14 verses 1 through 7. Jesus said to his disciples just before going to the cross, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that you may be where I am also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And who is it that speaks up? Thomas. Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. He is our Lord and our God. This Easter, 
Be reminded that belief can still happen behind locked doors. To believe the resurrection, accept the news, experience the peace and acknowledge the Savior. I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about how you can go about becoming a follower of Jesus and to make him the boss of your life. If you have any questions or you'd like to discuss that, feel free to message me on Facebook and I'd love to begin that conversation with you. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for a day in which we get to celebrate your son's resurrection from the grave. God, we thank you for the hope of eternal life that we have through him. Lord, I pray for every boy and girl, every, every man, every woman out there today, Father, who has been a part of our worship time together. Lord, that today they would be open to the good news of the resurrection and that, God, they would uh, accept that good news. And that, Lord, they would be able to call your son their Lord and their God. Father, that's my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.